Hey guys, welcome. Let's pray and then we're going to dive in, okay? All right, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are everything. Without you, we are nothing. But with you, all things are possible. And Lord, we thank you for the creation of marriage. We thank you, God, that this is your design. That, Lord, you are the one who authored the word marriage. You are the one who defines marriage. And we want to do it your way because your way is best. So help us this morning, Lord, we pray uh, to be with us, instruct us. And, and Lord, I just pray that these men's lives would be impacted, encouraged, inspired, and changed today by your power in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody said amen. Amen. All right. Okay. I'm going to have to take some authority here. I'm going to move you in now. I'm calling you out. Gentlemen, there's a table right here. I don't spit sometimes. Guy, Jim, you need to come in. You need to group up. I want the condensed here because I'm going to have you guys do something at the table. So if you wouldn't mind. So guys, I know if, if you have phobias, if you have kind of issues with the other guy, maybe some of you are spastic and you have an arm that hits somebody, that's okay. Forgiveness is a good part of the Christian faith. So if you smack somebody, accidentally it happens, you know, Tourette's, stuff like that. All right. Hey, guys, just real quickly. Uh, you know, sometimes you guys probably think that to, to be somebody who can be up here to speak, you know, you have it all together. I'm just going to let you know I don't. I don't. I don't have it all together. Uh, I have uh, over 52 years of service on this earth. And um, I've been married over 30 years, two marriages. I'm not perfect. Uh, I have four boys, three adult and uh, I haven't done this life perfectly. I actually tell a lot of the people I end up seeing as clients that uh, wisdom comes from what? Experience. And experience comes from what? Mistakes, right? Right? Anybody relate to me? And so, you know, marriage is tough. If you want to understand why marriage is so tough is Satan hates it. <laughs> Amen? Satan hates marriage. And so if you want to understand why it's always so tough for us is because he hates it and there's battle every day, okay? And, I, and you know, so one of the things you have to remember is, as believers, if you're, not, if you're not praying with your spouse, if you're not praying and putting on the armor every day, guess what? You're, you're susceptible to attack. Uh, I was a deputy sheriff for 15 years, worked narcotics my last five years, for DEA task force in the Bay Area. Got injured during a drug raid, spinal cord injury. So if my hand does weird things, it's because of that. But the point of me telling you that is I never went on a raid without a bulletproof vest. Every day I went out on patrol, I would go to my locker and I'd put on my vest. I would check my gun. I would check my equipment, right? And guys, sometimes we as men get apathetic and we believe that we can just go out and do this thing called life and not check your equipment, not put on the armor. By the way, my 11-year-old son, Xavier, and my wife and I, every night and every morning, we put on the helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit, breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth, shield of faith, and shoes that walk in the gospel of peace, Ephesians 6. If you don't put on the armor, you're going to be susceptible to the enemy's fiery darts, right? Doesn't mean that you're not going to have attack. It just means that you're going to be less likely to be taken out. So 
what I want to share with you guys today is two things that I see uh, normally in my counseling practice when marriage are starting to fail. Okay, two things. One is what are you attached to? And two, and, and this is primarily for men, and two, what is your, um, what is your identity in? Okay, these are the two primary things that I see that men struggle with. So let's talk about attachment. Okay, attachment is, goes all the way back to the beginning of time as, as Christians. Okay, now I'm going to be just right up front with you guys. I'm going to talk about real stuff here. <laughs> but I just want to say, gentlemen, what is one of the distinctive things for us as males that is attaching Sex, yeah, but for us as men, we got the plug. I know, ooh, we're in church, can't talk about that. But we are the ones who are the connectors. And let me talk to you a little bit about who Adam was. So Adam in the, in the Garden of Eden, chapter 1, chapter 2, had, he had this crazy experience with walking with the living God. So when he was created, uh, and this is typically sometimes the reason we struggle as men, you know, God breathed into dirt. So I always tell the guys jokingly that we're just dirt bags, right? I mean, right? think about it, right? So, and then I always say the reason your wife is, is more refined and tends to be probably more spiritual than you is she's one third dirt. Think about it. She came from us. She was synthesized. I'm just, I'm just playing with this. I don't know if this is theologically accurate, but I, she's one-third dirt. She's two parts God. She's synthesized with God in us. Then she's what God did, and then she's the dirt. Am I making sense? She's more refined than we are. And also, as John Eldridge says in Wild at Heart, she was created in the garden. So when you think about your wives, she tends to be uh, more... Uh, her tendency is to more to nurturing, more to, I think, the aspects of relationship that actually come straight from God. But for us as guys, we're, we're trained in the wild. How many of you guys like to work in the yard? I love it. I love it. I, and, and I'm not a farmer, but I love it. I love, I, we talk about my grass, right? My grass. How's my grass? It's very green. Very green. Why? Because I am a horticulturalist. I am naturally, as a man supposed to do gardening think about it husbandry husbands right i want you to follow me on this there's, there's a reason i'm saying this when you look at who adam was in the garden he was all about what taking care of the garden and then when eve came along she became part of that garden right a, a mistake that i see that guys make in my office when they come in is they go Oh, this needs to be fair. This needs to be equal. Well, let's go to one of the handouts I gave you. It's the uh, commands of a husband. I think it should be the second page. Yeah, so what do you notice right away between eight commands for the husband? I'm giving you the answer. Eight commands for the husband and four commands for the wife. It ain't fair. It ain't fair. And it was never supposed to be fair. So that was one of the things. By the way, this is more my journey than it is your journey. Do you... Yeah, we got a couple more. Anybody else need some more handouts? They're five bucks now. No, I'm joking. Um, 
No, the thing that I've come to realize in my own life is I thought this for a long time. Well, you know, <laughs> it's not fair. You know, why, you know it, why, why can't I yell at her like she yells at me? Or why can't I say the things that she says to me that, you know, I can say in kind? Well, one, I was created first. So let's just kind of make that clear. God breathed into Adam. And then out of Adam came the rib. And then Eve comes back to complete. Just like God gave us Christ, Christ gave his life for the church, and the church comes back to complete. God gave your wife you. You give your life to your wife. So, but first in God, so God gives to you. You lay down your life for your wife, and your wife comes back to complete you. It's a hierarchy. You can't, you can't uh, argue it scripturally it, it's it's consistent and what I found for men when they come into my office and they go well I want to be the third one down I want to be the one who follows her now, anybody in here that oh don't raise your hand it's okay just tell your neighbor no no don't tell your neighbor no but I'm serious some guys come into my office and they're just like these victims they're the little boys and the point is is guys we cannot be God's design when we're not operating in his way of doing things. So what I want to share with you guys today is not uh, exactly how to do it, but some principles that may help you think through these things. So where does this really apply? I think is in those difficult moments with your spouse. So how many people have been married more than 10 years? Okay, less than 10 years? Okay, all right. So you know, really, those first five to ten years can be some of your most difficult, right? And I, I promise you that every man in this room has thought, why did I marry her? I loved her, but the love is gone. <laughs> right? I mean, in the moment, you guys agree? Okay, every, okay thank you. Thank you, Lord. All right. So, you know, and, and the thing I, I come to find out in myself, I've thought those same thoughts. And I go, Lord, I made a vow to this person, but I don't even know how to keep it. Well, one of the things that I've had to argue was the immature thought processes that would come into my head. Now, I'm a Christian. I accepted Christ, and I have the power of the Holy Spirit. But you guys know what happens, right? When you're in battle, you do what you're trained to do. Okay, that's one of the things I remember as a cop, and I ran a police academy about a year out in California Hated it. But one of the things they talked about was psychomotor skills. Military guys in here? How many military? Past, present, future? Okay. You military guys know it's all about the training, right? When the stuff hits the fan, and by the way, it will, in marriage and in life, you will do what you're trained to do, right? Well, guess what? Being married is about training yourself. Being married is knowing what you're designed to be. So I said two things. I said attachment and identity. The problem with attachment is this. And, and I'm just going to kind of give you the psychobabble, so bear with me. Who are you? You are who you are because of how you were raised and what you are currently doing, right? And your future will be determined on how you dealt with your past and what you are currently doing in the present. I thought Brady said something that was just really succinct. The way we think in private becomes public behavior. So true. So true. Right? 
the way we think in private will determine how we become. I say it this way. If our beliefs determine our behaviors, then our behaviors are evidence of what we believe. So if you were to go to court today and they were put on a case against you, Keith, and they were to say, Keith, do you love your wife? Your Honor, my client here, you know, you know, would there be enough evidence to convict you of loving your wife behaviorally, right? Do our wives read our mind? I know they think they do, but they, do they? <laughs> no, they don't, because if they really did go think, you know, read our minds, they'd be going, ah, sex, beer. What, what is it Jim Ingvall says? Sex, beer, and football or something like that? Okay, we're Christians here. We don't drink beer. But you know what I'm saying, right? So our wives can't read our minds, thank God, because our minds are testosterone-driven organisms, okay? There's a, a good article I have. If you want to get it, I can get it for you. But it says that the lust circuit is triggered every three days through testosterone. If our minds, if our wives read our mind, they would <laughs> they'd be going, oh, Lord, help me, Jesus, Right? You need therapy, yeah, yeah, exactly. But, but this is part of what we were given as men, right? So it's to drive us, it's to move us. And in Christ, it's beautiful. In Christ, it was designed to move us towards him. It was to intentionally cause us to pursue them. The problem is, is we attach to other things. So let me just be real clear. If you're struggling with pornography, if you're struggling with lust, if you are involved in a relationship that's inappropriate, guess what? Your wife is not going to be your number one priority attachment here on earth. She's not. Why? Because you're attaching elsewhere. Does that make sense? So, so back to behavior. I think behavior is the one thing we can measure. And, and as men, what will your wife say to you many times? I just don't feel that you love me. I just need to connect with you. Guys, that is, that is like hearing nails on the chalkboard for us as men. Because we're going, I go to work. I kiss you goodbye. We have sex on Friday night at 8.05. What else do you want? Right? They, they want to know our hearts. You guys are all laughing. You know, it's the truth, right? So, so it's like, how do we do this? How do we do this? I just need you to be my man. I want you to be my man, right? Stop being the little boy. Well, I'm going to give you guys some stuff today that I believe will help you to become that man. But guys, do we do this for them first? Okay, your heads should be shaking. No. It's Christ first. And the reason is, guys, if you do it for them, guess what? You set up this sick dynamic. She's mama. And you're the little boy. And when mama ain't happy, then guess what? The little boy's in trouble. I know some of you guys are going, oh, that's what that is. <laughs> why, don't, why am I the little boy, you know? So we need to, guys, first and foremost, love our wives the way Christ has shown us for him first. It's about him. That's the only way we can lead. Can you lead by just monitoring your circumstances for you guys who have been leaders or are leaders? No, you, you lead by ethics you lead by principles, you lead by truths. The cool thing is about God is he wants you to lead. So when we go back to the hierarchy, I think the scriptures say it best, but when we think of the hierarchy that first it's with God, we get from God, you guys need to attach to God every day. 
How do we attach to God every day? Prayer, what else? What's that? Spend time with him. Worship. Okay, what does worship do? You know, listening to Christian music. I'd really encourage you. I'm not one of those guys who say you only have to listen to Christian music. I enjoy all music. I got a huge musical background. My boys are musical. But I, I realize I have to be careful what I download into this computer of my my. You know, it's, 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 uh, we have the hardware. Be grateful for the hardware, man. Say that to your neighbor. Be grateful for the hardware. <laughs> Some of it's harder than others. But um, by the way, it's okay because we are sexual creatures. So it's okay to be okay with your hardware. Okay. It's just how do you use it? The other thing is what are you downloading as far as software, right? So is what you're putting in your brain every day good, you know? The way we connect with God is through the way we experience him, our emotions, and the way we think. So software is a major issue. So I really encourage you to find things that cause you to connect with God. Music, prayer, fellowship. By the way, Brady said something else that I thought was dead on in the beginning. And (laughs) did you guys catch this? Men are some of the loneliest creatures that walk the earth. And I can tell you that it was true of me. When mostly, I could say one of the most intimate times with other men that I ever experienced, uh, well, at least what appeared should have been intimate, was the time that I was part of uh, a task force out in the Bay Area. We, you know, we spent a lot of time together. We did a lot of crazy stuff. We were in shootings together. We did drug raids, you know, a lot of exciting, fun stuff. But let me tell you, we, we didn't know each other. In that group of guys, we would, never, we would never expose our weakness. What would happen in those kind of groups, secular groups? When you expose a weakness, what happens? <laughs> guys, use that against you, right? We had this thing called a golden scale. I actually made it. I was told to make it, but I made it. And when you screwed up, you had it on your desk until the next guy screwed up. So everybody coming in, you know, everybody from all over the world comes into your unit. They go, what's up with the scale? Ah, he screwed up last time. (laughs) And then they tell the story. Poor Joe Raya. I'll tell you a little bit about Joe Raya's kind of funny story. Joe Raya was the one, he had it on his desk. One day he threw it in the garbage, he was so mad. Joe Raya, 6'5", Mexican guy. The only one who spoke Spanish in our unit, and we're in the Bay Area, right? So one day we go to do this cocaine bust and, and uh, we're all there and there are Mexican nationals at the time that we were, we were uh, doing a search warrant on. They're all, it's all in custody now. And so we're, we're about ready to do our search. And my boss, Bruce, he's short Italian guy goes, Hey Joe, ask them, where's the cocaine? And Joe goes like this, where's the cocaine? Now, and Bruce hits him right there, doubles him over, and says, in Spanish, you idiot. Okay, my point is this, is that wasn't a safe area to share your emotions, right, and to get really intimate. I never shared some of the deepest, darkest secrets in my life. None of those guys knew I was out cheating on my wife. I wasn't going to tell them. A lot of those guys didn't know what I wanted to really be in my walk with Christ. And so, so, you know, I'm not talking about you guys being part of a bar group or a softball group. I'm talking that you guys need to be part of a group like the fire teams 
that really help you in being accountable and encouraged in your walk with Christ and in your marriage. Marriage is hard. Anybody disagree with that? Okay. It's going to cost you everything. Uh, I heard it said that marriage is the place for us to die. <laughs> Nobody wants. Let me, let me tell you the scripture. Okay. Um, Ephesians 5.25 says this. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church as he gave himself through the watering and the washing of the word. The other one, I'm sorry, that, that was 25. Let me give you 23. So husbands, be the head of your wife as Christ was head of the church. Now, most of us want to stop there and go, yeah, oh yeah, I'm the head. I'm the head. But we don't read on. Is as he was the savior of the church. When you think of a savior, what do you think of? The cross. I think of it this way too. It's heroics, right? And in heroism, who, who does the hero think of when he's doing something heroic? Everybody but the, himself, exactly. So is being a husband supposed to be about me? Oh, I want sex tonight and I don't care how I get it from you, right? I mean, guys, it's a driving force for a long time in your, in your lives. If you don't, if you don't understand the appropriate way to approach it, it will either master you or you will destroy the relationship. Because what happens to a woman when she only feels like that's the only thing you ever want from her? She resents you. She's an object. All you want is my body parts, right? So what I'm saying, what I want to teach you guys today is how to create this environment in your marriage, principally and through the scripture, of how to lay your life down and to win them over. Because guess what? Remember what I said? God gave to Adam, breath to Adam. Adam gave the rib to Eve, and Eve came back to complete him. God gave us Jesus. Jesus gave his life for the church, and the church comes back to complete us, or to complete him. And then God gave you, gave you to your wife. You have God or Jesus, however you want to put that into perspective. And then you lay your down for, life down for your wife, and then she comes back to complete you. She is responsive. So, back to um, the commands. The eight commands for a husband, we kind of cleared up that it's not fair marriage, right? You guys all on board with that? Anybody disagree with that? Do you know why we're supposed to take on the bigger part of it? We're designed to. Yay. We're designed to, guys. Two to three times stronger. Two to three times more energy than a woman. We don't have to deal with that monthly thing. <laughs> Hormones, right? We are their heroes. We are their heroes. We're supposed to be. Do you, do you guys agree with that? Okay. So, so what I want to share with you guys is this, and, and I've seen this numerous times and I've seen it in my own, li my own life. A lot of times for us as men, what we want to do is we want to feel like men before we act like men. We want to feel like men before we act like men, but here's the truth. A man won't feel like a man until he behaves like a man. Do you know what I'm saying? You ever had one of those moments where you felt like a you felt like a little boy, and it's because you acted like a little boy. 
But have you ever had those times where you acted like a man and you felt like a man? I'll, I'll share with you guys something. I'll just um, paraphrase it. And it's something recent. And, and this may sound like it's bragging on me, but it's taken me a long time to get here. But my wife and my son were sick with that flu going around. It's probably the one that poor Garvin's got. So you guys are stuck with me. But, uh, I mean, it's like vomit and it's coming out both ends, right? So my son was last a Thursday a week ago. So uh, I was up all night with her and with him. And I got the duty of cleaning up the, the vomit and doing the sheets because my wife can't handle that. And, you know, for me, I have to admit, uh, years ago, I wouldn't have thought this way, but I have to admit, I didn't think a thing of it. I, it's just, it was the right thing to do, right? So I'm taking care of him, cleaning up the floors and everything. And, um, and I had to work the next day. So did she. Uh, and then, so that was a two, three-day thing with him. I had to move my schedule around a bit to accommodate some things. And then she got it. <laughs> she got it Sunday night, had it Monday and Tuesday. And you know, so it was just really hammered my, my week, right? But, uh, you know, I just, I, I just did what I needed to do to take care of her and take care of him. I got him ready for school and blah, 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 right? So she puts this thing on, the fa- on Facebook. Some of you guys who are on Facebook might have saw it. I don't know if you're on my Facebook. But anyway, she just, she just said I was her hero. And I have to admit, I, I was, uh, I just thought that was really kind. But you know what was resonated in my heart? Is I... I'm her man. And I wouldn't want any other man in the block, just understand that, Bill, any other man in the block coming into my house and taking care of my family, right? So you want to divorce-proof your marriage? Be her man. Don't leave a void for another man to come in and play your part, right? And, and I have to admit, for me, that was kind of a real maturity thing because normally I'd like to walk around a while and be like a, rooster and crow bit. Yeah, babe, remember what you put on Facebook, how great I am? The fact of the matter is, is that's who I'm supposed to be. A man needs to behave like a man to feel like a man. Some of you guys, part of what you need to do in your marriage is, is become today, today, what does it mean to be a man in my marriage? What does it mean to be her hero in my marriage? That will send, that'll start to change a dynamic if you haven't been that man if you haven't been mature in your marriage, that's where it starts. And the Bible gives us tons of principles. So let's go through some of these, okay? So the commands. One of the other things I like to say about the eight commands for a husband is they're all action. None of them are, dear God, change me. Has anything changed yet? Uh, no, nothing's changed yet. See, what I believe as a Christian, is God gives us principles, which are 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 9, and Galatians 5.22. Okay, those are conduct protocols. So for you military guys or people who've done those kind of paramilitary things, they're called performance objectives. That's how we measure whether we're doing our job or not. For me as a man, I get it, Right? Do you guys following me? I get performance objectives. It makes sense to me. I want to know what I'm supposed to do. Right? So when your wife says, I just need you to be close to me. 
I just want you to be my man. Sorry, that's my woman's voice. It's not that good. But I just, you know, I want you to be those things. Well, for us as men, we're not supposed to be a feminized version of masculinity. What we're supposed to be is what Christ was. So let's take Genesis and Applegate and let's juxtapose it with the Garden of Gethsemane. So the Garden of Eden and the Garden of Gethsemane, where intimacy was lost, where intimacy was regained, where masculinity was lost and masculinity was regained, right? So we got Adam, who I believe was kicking back with Eve, chilling in the cool of the day, naked, perfect humans, no belly buttons, by the way. Think about it, no belly buttons. And they're just chilling. And he's kind of watching her deal with the snake. Now, I, I believe, this is me in my mind, I believe they just had sex. Why? Because of Adam's behavior. He's kicking back. Because if you read the scriptures, God told Adam, do not eat of that tree. He never told Eve, but God confronted Eve in chapter 3 and said, why did you eat of the fruit when I told you not to do it? Well, by the way, guys, Adam was a supervisor on scene, right? Remember Rodney King? I do. <laughs> I was kind of in it. What was the problem with the Rodney King thing? Is the supervisors didn't do their job. Well, Adam was a supervisor on scene, and he was the one who heard from God, do not eat of that tree, right? And he's kicking back. Why is he kicking back? One of my friends said he was just... <sighs> That's the picture. <laughs> because I think, even though we know that sin hadn't really taken hold, I think he started to focus on her instead of staying focused on God. And that began to be the decline, right? She can do no wrong. Come on, Eve, grab, grab that apple. Oh, yeah, Eve. right? I mean, come on, guys. You know what I'm talking about. We're designed to respond to a woman's beauty. You're designed to respond to your wife's beauty. He was designed to respond to watching her. And I believe he was derelict of his duties. And he blew it. Because what should have been the scene was a naked man going, no! Right? It wasn't. No, he actually played into it. Because I believe he gave up his authority. He advocated his authority and gave it over to her because he did nothing you guys are probably going, oh, I just did that the other day. Hmm. One of the things I know in my life in the past is that I wasn't always engaged. I wasn't always caring for the things that my wife cared about. I wasn't the security component of my home. I was a cop early on in, in my marriage, my first marriage. And it's like if I heard the baby cry or I heard something outside in the family room or something, I'd kick her. <laughs> Big, tough cop, right? <laughs> Go check it out, babe. I'll just catch some seeds here. <laughs> I know none of you guys do that or think that, but that's what I used to do, right? Big, tough guy, her man. No, I wasn't her man. How many of you guys have your wives tell you, have you checked the doors and the windows? Did you set the alarm? I've had two wives, and they both said it, and they don't know each other. There's, there's a consistency there. They want us to secure the premises. They want us to take that responsibility. But security goes a lot more, you know, than just physical security. 
There's emotional security. There's spiritual security. You see what I'm saying? So back to, to the point I was making about Adam is he was not the security that he needed to be in that time in the garden. And he blew it. So what became the behaviors after that? They became fear-motivated. They became selfish. They became blamers, which I'm telling you, that's what I see in my office. It's her fault. The reason our marriage sucks is she won't do this or she won't give it up or whatever, right? That's the problem in the marriage. And then I'll have the wife go, well, I need him to be my man. And the guy's going, well, I don't know how to be your man. You know, and so it's this, it's this crazy thing. And sometimes it's even worse than that, as you can imagine. I get the catastrophes, you know, I get the infidelity and all that stuff. But how do you, how do you straighten it out? How do therapists even straighten it out without God? I don't know how they do it. I can't. So what I did is in my practice, I've been in practice for over 11 years. I, I said, I need, I need a matrix. I need something I could put right down on the problem. And, and typically, guys, most of you, are, you're not even going to think of seeing me from this point forward when I say this, is I look at the man first. Because I believe it starts with the man. I believe that there's a reason we have this hierarchy that I shared with you. Why? Because the eight commands are one of the things to show it. Two, Jesus wasn't a woman. Think about it. Now I know, I know, he embraced a lot of the things that women embrace and those, those are good things. But think about it. He wasn't a woman. <laughs> Why? Well, I, I, I think of it this way. I think of it kind of selfishly. Again, I know I'm taking a lot of latitude. I'm not a theologian. But I think it's because men needed that example. I think because we had Garden Gate, Apple Gate, we needed a reset in the next garden. Go figure. Isn't it interesting that there's gardens? Right? You got the Garden of Eden, Garden of Gethsemane, and then there's a garden in heaven, by the way, if you didn't know that. So, so Jesus was the one to reset all that for us. So in Christ, we experience true masculinity. So it's no mistake that when Paul came up with Ephesians 5, he mixed the two, right? Marriage and Jesus, the mystery there's a mystery between who Christ is and what marriage is. You can't have one without the other. You can't have a good marriage without Christ. And I don't believe you can have Christ without knowing what marriage is to him first. So, number one, command. And we're just going to uh, go over these because I have performance objectives for you uh, in another handout. Number one is be head of the wife. You guys remember what I said about that. That's really not what it sounds like at the beginning. You know, this, this submission thing is, you know, a lot of baggage. People have abused that. Being the head of your wife, you need to be the best servant. You need to be the type of boss that you want to work for. The boss who comes in early and leaves late. The boss who makes sure that everything is, is taken care of. How many of you guys will come home and, and you think that your day's done? No, my wife's told me my most important part of the day starts when I get home. So I better save something in my tank. I better re-up on my way home. 
right? My best counseling, even though she tells me, don't wear that hat around here. (laughs) But my best counseling comes in when I get home. My best loving comes in when I get home. My best kindness, my best self-control, okay? So being the head of the wife means laying your life down. Love-wise as Christ loved the church. I share that with you as it says, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church as he gave himself for her through the watering and the washing of the word. So I, I did some research on that, tried to understand what that means. It just basically means that it's our job to maintain an environment of spirituality, an environment where they are cleansed, you know, so Christ gave his life. There again, same kind of idea, that we pray for them, that we serve them, that we are ministers to them. You know, I think American government, American politics need to change their, their leadership turns to minister because I really think that that's where politics have lost it is they forgot they are servants. They are not dictators. They are not people in power. They are ministers. We are ministers, men. If you don't believe that and you're not doing that, then your marriage will fail. One out of five marriages fail in this country. One out of five marriages in church fail. So our, the, uh, I'm sorry, one out of two. I'm sorry, one out of two marriages fail. We are not seeing a difference in that stat. But I was sharing with uh, Basil that the one stat that's different is one marriage out of 1,153 and when you pray daily with your spouse. And that, was a, that wasn't even a Christian research. That was secular research that says, if you pray daily with your spouse, one out of every 1,153 will end in divorce. That, isn't that a, that's a crazy stat right there. You want to see something that's compelling? Stats was my most worst class that I took in my graduate studies, but I'm telling you that stat right there rocks my world, right? You want a powerful, connected, engaged, growing marriage? Pray with your wife every day. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you guys out there. How many of you guys pray with your wife every day? Okay, thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Guys, you need to pray with your wife. And how do you do this? Babe, I just want to pray over this this morning before, before we go out the door. Lord, I just ask that you bless my home. You bless my wife. Thank you for her. Thank you for our kids. Thank you for our lives. Watch over us. Protect us. Let her know today that I love her. Let her know how much she means to me, God. And keep us safe and bring us back together in Jesus' name. Amen. That's as simple as that. Right? And then at the end of your day, pray. But see, we forget that prayer is that connective part. Remember, what are you attaching to? Have you attached to pornography? Have you attached to the lust of the world, gals, glitz, and glory? That's the way I remember it. (laughs) Brady said, uh, whatever, he said the three Ps and three Gs, golds, glitz, and glory. But those are the things that we normally pursue. But if we want to change our marriage, we need to attach to God first and foremost. And by the way, if you pray with your wife, that doesn't mean you don't need to pray individually. That's a mistake if you think that that's, I ask guys all the time, I go, do you pray with your wife? Oh yes, we bless the meal. God is great, God is good, thank you for all this food. Guys, 
that's, that's not it. It's about attaching. It's about opening up your hearts. Guys, when you're struggling at work, my wife tells me this, and some of you know my wife, but she is an amazing woman. But she says, I want to know when you're struggling with lust so I can pray for you. She goes, also, that I may minister to you. Yes. Right? Right? But if they don't know, they don't know. But you need to open up. You need to be honest with them. Right? And it's, there's no... Uh, to me, it makes sense that Adam and Eve walked in the cool of the day and that marriage was created in the garden and they were both naked. Physically, emotionally, and spiritually. You want a marriage that's thriving and growing, you've got to become naked. Physically, emotionally, spiritually. Can't have intimacy if you're not naked. Well, better yet, I mean... Can't have sexual intimacy unless your private parts are exposed. I, see, I know I got your attention because we're kind of talking about sex, but we're not. Right? What are the private parts of your heart? What are the private parts of you as a man? And do you know your wife's private parts? Now, somebody just walking into this would go, ooh, this is a sex ed course. No, I'm talking about intimacy. Into me, cc, into me. Intimacy. Is about being completely naked. Okay, so if you want a thriving marriage, it's got to be garden-like. So Jesus takes us to the Garden of Gethsemane. What does he do? He actually gives us a great example, I think, of humanity. He says, Father, if there be any way that you can take this cup from me, this is going to be tough. Guys, <laughs> sometimes your prayers need to be that. God, this is tough. And God goes, I get it. But there's something really cool that happens when Jesus finally says, I think it's in the book of Luke, when Jesus finally says, but not my will, but yours be done. You know what happens? It says the angels came and ministered to him right when he relinquished his will. He surrendered. One of the things in the police academy that they never wanted you to do, and they trained us over and over through videos, through cops coming in, never give up your gun. Never surrender. I am telling you, for me, as a man who wasn't raised right, who came from a messed up family, who screwed a lot of things up, that was the hardest thing for me to do, was surrender to God is the hardest thing for me to do. Now, that's just me. Maybe some of you guys are just like, that's easy. For me, it's hard. I'm a prideful man. I can be prideful. And so surrendering to God's way is hard. And so one of the things I want to say to you guys, having a good marriage and loving your wife is difficult. This is not easy. It's going to cause you to lose your fleshly life. But the benefits outweigh the cost. I promise you, the benefits outweigh the cost. So how do we do this? Well, we go through and we look at these commands. I, want you, I wanted you to have these commands, and the reason they're not any more specified is I don't believe this is about specific behaviors. Each marriage, each person, each personality is different. Some of your wives like macaroni and cheese. Some of your wives hate it, right? I don't know. You do. One, be a good student of your wife. Know what she likes. Know 
and I'm not just talking about food, but I'm talking about everything. Know what she likes. Um, love your wives as your own bodies. <laughs> if we did that, that, just that one thing, we'd probably be successful. <laughs> Most of you guys are uh, taking pretty good care of your body as I'm looking around. Some of you, a little too much, but who am I to judge? Um, but if we took care of them as well as we took care of ourselves... It probably solved most marital issues. I should probably put that up in my wall in the office. All marital issues will be solved if you will take care of your wife as well as you take care of yourself. Right? Um, nourish. So, so guys, uh, you know, when I remember reading this the first time, I was thinking, nourish? What the heck? This is in the Bible. This is not like some menu. But I began to realize nourishing my wife is about knowing how to connect with her spiritually knowing how to connect with her emotionally and not being reactive, but being proactive. Do you guys know what I mean by being proactive? Just like in sex, we got that little initiator thing. Well, some of you guys, it's little. But that little thing that initiates, right? That's the indicator. Remember I told you it's about the, uh, what do you call it, power cable? It, guys, that, we're designed for that. We're the ones. And women, by the way, I'm here, move in here. I'm going to tell you, I've had women come into my office when they're going through marital issues, and, and the wives will say something like this to me. And I've heard this several times to where I'm going, oh my gosh. She goes, he no longer gets physically excited when he sees me naked. And I remember kind of thinking to myself, wow, they're aware of that. They're aware of what's going on in us. They know that's an indicator. Okay? Now, I know we got stuff when you get older. I'm 50, okay? So I know it doesn't work like it used to. But the point is, is we as men were designed to be the initiators. There are things that we do that indicate to them that we're their man. Right? And part of the problem with our culture today is we got men acting like boys, men acting like women, and we got women acting like men. Isn't it interesting, still in the dancing community, you always have the male being the leader. And if there's two males dancing, there's always the dominant leader. There's always has to be male and female in every relationship. And it's your job to be the male. It's your job to be the man. It's your job to initiate. It's your job to be proactive. So how do we do that? Well, one way is to nourish them. You want a good, uh, intimate relationship with your wife? Become responsible with your spirituality and your emotionality with women. If you need more specifics, I can give you more specifics. Um, you know, sharing feelings is an important part of you opening up your heart to her. Affirming her. You want to divorce-proof your marriage? A specific way to divorce-proof your marriage is to tell her two positive things about her every day. When you start thinking negative, that's one of the things they did in a longitudinal research about divorce. A hundred couples surveyed said when their marriages ended in divorce, a hundred percent of them said they both they all were critical of each other. Criticalness became the essence of their relationship. You want to change that today? You want to change that right when we're done? Because I don't want you to do it now. Text your wife two reasons you appreciate her today. 
Two reasons you appreciate her. Do it every day. It will change your marriage, I promise you. Okay, so nourish, cherish. What is cherish? Cherish is the word that I used to. So I'm dating myself. That's the only time I ever knew what that word meant was in a song until I started to research it. Okay, cherish means to hold dear. It means to honor. How many of you guys have struggled with honoring your wife? Where does it start? Right here. It's what you think. Because what we think becomes what we do. If you don't think highly of your wife right now, you need to get on your knees and ask God to forgive you. Because he gave you his daughter. By the way, did you know in 1 Peter 3, 7, it says, husbands, love your wives as the weaker vessel. Don't be harsh with them. It goes on to say, you know, describes this thing. It says, and your prayers will be hindered. And I kind of always thought, wow, that's an awkward relationship with God. I thought God would have my back on this. And the fact of the matter is, is you married God's daughter. So you know what that means? Your son-in-law. <laughs> that's not a good position to be with God. Take care of my daughter or I'll cap you, sucker. Right? I mean, kind of that's what he's saying is I'm not going to answer your prayers if you're not taking care of my little girl, how many of you guys have daughters? How do you feel if that man that you gave her away to doesn't take care of her? I'll go slice his head off. And then his head on his shoulders. <laughs> right? See what I'm saying? Right? That's what God thinks of us when we don't take care of his daughters. And, and listen, I don't always think the best of my wife. But I have to say, ooh, that's God's daughter. He's my father-in-law. <laughs> Love you, God. Um, I have a great relationship with my father-in-law, but, but I mean my heavenly father-in-law. Be joined as one flesh. I think that's interesting. Um, you know, a lot of us as guys, we go, oh, yeah, sex is, you know, that's, that's a breeze. But to be consistent in making love to your wife and not making love to other things, I believe the reason we had to be reminded is, is it's kind of an indication that we needed to be reminded. Some of you guys need to romance her. Some of you guys need to go get her some flowers and give her a card for no reason. Some of you guys need to make sure she knows that you think she's beautiful. You know, pursue her. Pursue her. Leave parents for wives. Uh, I could spend several days on this. Um, remember I talked about attachment? One of the biggest issues, in, again, in my office is where... How do people define themselves and, and where are they attached? So if I got a guy who's addicted to something, he treats his wife like an object because addictions are object relationships. I'm getting into some psychobabble, but so let me say it this way. We uh, addicts use people and love things or love substances or love processes. Healthy people love people and use things. So if I have a couple coming into my office and there's an addiction, I have to deal with the addiction before I can get this person to really connect with his wife. If you guys have an addiction, a compulsion, something that you cannot seem to conquer, you need to get help. Okay, it may not be me. It may be another brother. It may be one of the fire teams. It may be going to get a book to figure out how to overcome this. But I promise you, there's four things that you need to do to be changed. And it's from 2 Chronicles 7.14. And it says, if my people, which are called by my name, and I'm paraphrasing, do four things, God promises you will hear him, which is important if you want to know where to go. 
Two, he will forgive your sins. And three, what's the third? He'll heal your land. Isn't that an interesting garden context? Your garden is your marriage. You are the steward, the husband of your garden. God promises if you do four things, he will do that. And what are the four things? Number one, humble yourself. What does that usually mean? God, I'm sorry, I need you. Two is the action that says, I need to go seek somebody else out and humble myself too. Because that's the hardest thing for us to do as men, many times. Then the second thing he asks us to do is seek him. What does that mean? You know, there again is just this kind of nebulous term, but what it means is to literally physically go after him with your thoughts, with your behaviors. If you don't go to church, go to church. If you don't go to a men's group, go to a men's group. If you don't pray, pray, okay? There's something about being a man that you need to do something, right? Seek, pray, okay? Isn't it interesting that the, there's two there? Seeking and praying are two different things. Prayer is a priority, but seeking God is, is, can just be a myriad of things to find him, just like we were talking about how do you connect with God. And then four is repent, turn in the opposite direction. If you're struggling with pornography, get covenant eyes on your, your, all your computers. 90 bucks a year. I have it on my iPhone. I have it on everything. Garvin McCarroll is my accountability guy. He gets my report. It's all good. Um, I wouldn't be up here if he, he didn't give me thumbs up. But I, I'm accountable, okay? Be accountable. Be humble. Okay, leave and cleave. So know what you're attaching to and then cleave to your wife. Bless you. By the way, if you haven't figured this out, when you married your wife, you basically said you're all in. You basically said she's the one. There's only one port in the storm for me. <laughs> There's only one harbor where I'm going to park my boat. Again, I didn't mean that sexually, Bill. I'm just saying. I know that's where you went, but you're my neighbor. I'll talk to you later. I'm just saying, guys, she is it. One of the things I had to learn early on, because I was a player. I thought I was, I was charming to women. And what that did was it disrespected my wife and it, it was like snacking. So when I came home, I couldn't enjoy my meal. So you know what I had to learn to do to change that? Is I had to be a, um, how do I say that in Christianese? I had to be, I had to shut women down. When they wanted to charm me or be nice to me, I had to know how to be kind but just shut it down. They don't have any right to me and I have no right to them. I had to conduct myself. It was not my responsibility to make that woman feel good. It was not my responsibility to say, you look nice today. That's how things get set up, by the way. <laughs> A lot of those women don't get that at home. So if they get it at work or they get it somewhere else, they're going, oh, and they will follow. Why? Because women are responders. And what are they responders to? Read them. They're four commands. They're responders to godly masculinity or aspects of masculinity. They respect, recognize, reverence. Forgot my last one. Well, submit is one, but I, I have the four R's that I call them. Anyways, you guys get my point. For time's sake, I want to just get you guys to where the takeaway is today because I don't want to just talk at you. I want you guys to have a takeaway. So the takeaway is this. I shared with you guys that I had, uh, this is my, really my journey. So these are my things. 
This is how I got myself on track to love my wife. And so I came up with this called the 13 P's. And it started out just being a couple. And then before I knew it, it started growing. So these are things that I memorized. So I'm going to just read them off to you and explain them real quickly. And then I'm going to have you guys do something before we end. Okay? Because I know it's almost lunch. Okay. So number one, number two, and number three, protect, provide, pursue. You guys, I kind of touched on that. You know, as the gardener, as the security guy, we're to protect not only physically, emotionally, and spiritually. We're not to provide only physically. As men, we sometimes think, hey, baby, I bring home the bacon. That's what I'm supposed to do. Worship me. No, they need to be provided for emotionally and spiritually. Right? Number three, pursue. You were given the strength and the ability to pursue. It's not about them pursuing you. You pray with them. You seek them out. You hug and kiss them. I hear it all the time. He never comes home and hugs and kisses me. My wife and I hug for 20 seconds every day. You want, to, you want to change the feel of your marriage? Hug your wife for 20. Okay, let's do this. I want you guys to do it for a week. Say, hey, babe, this is not about me. This is what I was told to do from this men's thing. I, want, I just need to hug you for 20 minutes, or 20 seconds, 20 minutes, whew, 20 seconds. Try it. If you haven't done it lately, it'll get your motor going, and it'll get hers going. 20 seconds, I promise you. If she's willing, give her a 20-second hug. That's not like this little embrace. Love her, okay? Pursue her. Be present, okay? That means physically and emotionally. Be present. Be passionate. Some of you guys need to stoke the fire of emotion in your heart. You can't be compassionate or empathetic if you don't have passion. Jesus was passionate. Mel Gibson said when he did the movie uh, the, um, the Passion of Christ, he says, passion is obsessed love. Ask God to give you obsessed love for your wives. Lavish love, just like he has for us. By the way, if you're not loving your wife, then I really have to question, and this is going to hit you guys, I'm sorry. I really have to question your, your Christianity. I'm not saying you may not be saved, but I may have to say that you probably aren't walking with God the way you should. Because when you walk with Jesus and you meet with him every day, you will love her lavishly, just like he loves the bride. Ooh. Just saying. Tell me the scripture where I'm wrong. You can't. All right. Be patient. Patience is a virtue, but patience is, is faith. If your marriage is not where you want it to be or you think it should be, what does a farmer do? He tills the soil. He pulls the rocks out. He puts in fertilizer. He plants the seeds. I have a couple farmer friends. It takes three to six months to farm here in Colorado. That's about the time in your marriage. I promise you, you start doing distinct things in your marriage for three to six months, your marriage will be changed if she's willing. That's a guarantee right there, I promise you. You pray with her, you open your heart with her, you date her, you start loving on her, being kind with her, stop thinking about yourself, three to six months, you'll have a whole different marriage. Guaranteed. Okay? Because God is a God of growth. God is a God of restoration. Okay? But be patient. Be proactive. Don't be reactive. Be prepared. Okay? So those kind of go together. To be proactive, you got to be prepared. You got to think. You can't just think about work. Think about things. What are the things that she's asked you to be considerate about? 
I know a lot of you guys are going, boy, I need God help me. Well, exactly. <laughs> if you're not plugging into God, how, is, how are you going to do this? You're not going to be a great husband if you're not a great follower of Jesus. You just won't. Um, persevere. I'm telling you guys, the only way to make a marriage last as long as a lot of marriages have last is long-suffering, perseverance, is learning how to go through the wilderness and staying faithful. Pray. You guys saw that in here. Part is leave and cleave. Check what you're cleaving to. If you're cleaving to things that are not of God, you got to stop it and cleave to things that are of God. If you watch too much TV and too much sports, cut it down. Prioritize. Participate. Engage. I don't care if you're tired. I don't care if you are even sick. Engage. Leave it all out in the field of your marriage, guys. That's when you'll feel like a man. How many of you guys played sports and you remember leaving it all out on the field? That feels awesome. Well, what makes you think any less? You got to leave it out on the field in your marriage. Leave it out on your bed in your marriage. Love her like she's never been loved before. If you don't know how to do that, I'm a sex therapist. Give me a call. I can help you with that, okay? There are things you can learn that are all within Christianity. Don't be scared of sex. It's a good thing. Finally, prefer. Honor her before honoring yourself. Now, we are right at lunch, but what I wanted to do, and I gave you guys a paper. Uh, it's called a responsibility date, and I wanted to put this into action. So, if you guys would indulge me for five more minutes, I want you to write down what you're going to be responsible for today, right from what we talked about. And then I want you to do the things that I say in there and share with the guys and have a moment of prayer. So this is your time. I'm done. I'm out. But if something touched you in your heart and you figured that something was amiss in your marriage that you are responsible for, put it down in writing. Have the guys next to you. Guys, if you need accountability, go to the fire teams. Go to the group. If you need something different than that, I do groups as well. So just be aware of that. But fill this out, okay? And I'm done. So let me close in prayer. You guys finish that. Share that with each other. And we will be done. You'll be dismissed, okay? Amen? Is this, so, did this work? Do you guys get this? Good? Thumbs up? Okay? Everybody? All right. No, anybody come here and say, I heard something that I've already heard? Okay, good. Just wanted to make sure. All right. Lord, thank you, Jesus, for being a man's man. Thank you for showing us how to lay our lives down. Thank you for giving us the essence of what we're to give our wives, to, to, to lay it all out for her. And Lord, I believe by faith when we do that, when we trust you, that you are going to give us paradise a garden of Eden in our own marriage that we can actually walk in fellowship with you and our wives and we can raise our children in this home. And Lord, with this will come a glory and will come a favor and our children will grow and love marriage and love you because they see the love between us, all three of us, the Trinity, Jesus, our wives and the husband in you as the Trinity. Lord, it's just a beautiful picture of how you want to operate in us. Bless these men. Thank you for them. And I just pray, God, that they will go forward in behaving like men in Jesus' name. Amen.